all about the Southeast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Y'all John Rawl here with you. And we're going to have a great time over the next several hours filling you in with all the news, sports, entertainment headlines, and social headlines and more on the show all about Dixie. Our number, if you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, it's quite easy to do as we've got a text line open 24 hours a day that we would love to get your feedback. That number, 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. You can email us anytime here at the Y'all Show, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Hope y'all are doing good. We had Hurricane Idalia come through on Wednesday and affect Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas. We've got an update on that in just a second here to tell you as Adalia packing a punch. But as far as we know, as of right now, very few deaths to report. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Let's hope that stays the case. Could have been much worse, much worse as far as I can tell. Again, this thing hit the Big Bend area Wednesday of Florida. That is a very remote section of the Sunshine State and likely part of the major reason that we're not reporting dozens of deaths here, thank God, today. But we're still not out of the woods as authorities are spending today a bright sunny day in Florida and Georgia and South Carolina, a a day that people will be able to go out and search for missing folks as we've had lots of flooding and just a, a nasty, nasty several hours along the Atlantic coast after this thing came ashore on Wednesday on the Gulf Coast of Florida. So Adalia will kind of help wrap that thing up, but there's still a mystery of what's going to happen next with Adalia as it's likely to circle back around. I'll tell you what the experts are saying on that as we go forward with our news headlines of today's Y'all Show. So we got that coming up. Plus, we have got all of the other news headlines of the day, including Mitch McConnell in the news Wednesday for freezing. Did you see that video? Scary. As the House Minority Leader, or rather Senate Minority Leader, was in back in Kentucky having a press conference when he absolutely just kind of spazzed out in front of the camera. And we will give you all of the latest that we can tell you about Mitch McConnell and his latest episode of having a a, more than a senior moment frankly a scary moment and we'll have info on that coming up in our headlines across the southeast today we've got lots of news to pass along in today's y'all show we also have the sports news to pass along and we're going to start today's sports coverage with a sport we rarely talk about volleyball did you see what happened at the university of nebraska on wednesday more than ninety thousand fans of big red came out for a volleyball game at the football stadium and it was the largest crowd to ever see a women's event of any kind tennis basketball anything wrestling (laughs) largest event to see a woman a women's competition in in the united states and i think it might be the entire world what a incredible job by nebraska with the volleyball as they played their in-state foe omaha and they had 90,000 plus in Lincoln to see that. I'm going to tell you about it, and I'm going to give you the latest volleyball rankings across college volleyball. 
and there's a little bit of a southern presence there. So, yeah, we'll start off with something different today. Now, today marks week one of the start of college football. We've got a bunch of games going on on this Thursday evening, and I'll walk through that, including a couple of SEC teams going up and, and lacing it up and getting it on on this Thursday. The Florida Gators are already out in Utah. They've got the Utes on the schedule on this opening day, if you will, of college football, the real opening weekend of college football. So we've got we got the schedule coming up, plus Joe Burrow in the news, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback and former LSU star, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship quarterback, Joe Burrow. We've got an update on his health. That's coming up in our sports headlines of the Y'all Show. And in this first hour of today's program, we've got hashtag hullabaloo. This is where social media activity catches our eye, and we relay that right here to you all on the y'all show and today in hashtag call blue we're going to talk about indian head cornmeal have y'all got any of that in the cabinet well that was a subject someone brought to our attention and we'll let you know more about indian head cornmeal and we'll also tell you about the odd nature of the state of florida yes i know florida just got hit bad by Idalia on wednesday but overall you got to admit, Florida is an unusual state, and that's why this person on social media has brought it to our attention that the further north you go in Florida, the more southern it is. Why is that? <laughs> we'll discuss that and so much more. And hashtag Huddlebaloo coming up later in this hour one of the Y'all Show. Hour two today, we've got, in addition to our news headlines that we'll be catching you up on, we've got our Nashville Music Line report. And today, we'll tell you all about Dolly Parton rejecting. Oh, my God. She has rejected the future queen of England or the future queen consort or whatever title they're going to end up giving Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton just got told thanks but no thanks from Dolly Parton. I'll give you that headline plus news from Miley Cyrus, who I think is Dolly Parton's goddaughter in a weird twist so we got dolly and miley news coming up in our nashville music line report in hour number two we also have more sports headlines coming your way hour two hour three today we've got not only news but we've got our featured team of the day and it's going to be where national champions are often crowned tuscaloosa is where we're headed as we're going to feature the Crimson Tide of the University of Alabama. Roll Tide Roll. Yeah, it's all about Nick Saban's 2023 team. We're going to go through the Tide's 23 schedule, which starts off against the MTSU Blue Raiders. Then we'll also go through the rest of the schedule. Is Alabama going to be back in the playoff? Is Alabama going to get back to where Bama is used to being, playing for national champions? Ships And let's be honest, with the rise of Georgia, things have not been all that great in T-Town. Uh, they've been good. Things have been good. But they haven't been great. And it's driving Nick Saban crazy. We're going to hear from the guy who's been head coach of Alabama since 2007. He's almost 20 years in the job there at the Capstone. Nick Saban, Crimson Tide, and traditions of Alabama 
all coming up in our spotlight of the Crimson Tide today. We've been on a little tour going on the last couple of weeks, getting you ready for the start of college football 2023. And we have gone all throughout the SEC and ACC and a few other teams and today we're at the penultimate stop of our tour as we're going to be talking about the Tide. We're going to wrap it up on Friday's Y'all Show as we're going to be featuring the South Carolina Gamecocks and Shane Beamer. That's going to be our final stop previewing teams across the South getting ready for the start of the new football season. So, hope you will enjoy all that plus we also in our final hour today we've got our festive south feature where we show off some of the great festivals taking place across the southeast this labor day weekend so a busy thursday y'all show we sure appreciate you for being with us here on the show that shakes up the south y'all.com and once again we want you to be part of our show and the easiest way for you to do that is to drop us an email mail m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com that is by by far the easiest way to be involved with the y'all show and with that we want you to give us some tips if you've got something that you're aware of that we need to know about here y'all then please by all means reach out to us let's dive into the news headlines of the day and let's go to weather.com for the latest on tropical storm Adalia. it was a tropical storm then it turned into a category four hurricane it came ashore right around a Category 3 hurricane as it hit the Big Men area early on Wednesday morning. And then Adalia moved across the, the eastern section of Florida's panhandle, going through places like Perry, Florida, and also going just kind of to the east of Valdosta, Georgia, hitting south Georgia, headed towards Savannah. And then it crossed over the Savannah River into South Carolina, where it went into the Low Country. It, lots of flooding in the Charleston area. We'll tell you about that. And I've got a report coming in from WAVY-TV that's in the Tidewater area of Virginia that I'm going to play for just you in just a second as the storm's affecting that section of the south here on this Thursday. But the road to recovery now is going to be tough for a lot of communities in the state of Florida as residents across Florida's Gulf Coast digging up today. As Adalia flooded homes and businesses Wednesday, it forced evacuations across dozens of counties in the panhandle of the Florida Sunshine State, and now thousands of people are without power. The latest on Adalia is that it, at least on Wednesday evening, went into the Carolinas as a tropical storm, causing flooding, and so much more. In the city of Charleston, South Carolina, major flooding. The National Weather Service has reports of major coastal inundation at Edisto Beach, that is in Charleston County, as well as major flooding in the city of Charleston. As water has breached the battery, according to the Weather Service, the battery is the famous tourist attraction in Charleston, South Carolina, and over at Edisto, dunes are breached with water flowing under homes and onto roadways. Now, the cra- I was thinking about this on Wednesday watching reports in, uh, I think it was Carolina Beach, one of the news outlets, were showcasing Adalia coming ashore. What's so crazy about this hurricane is that 
at least for the Carolinas, you're out there on the beach covering a hurricane coming into that area, but that hurricane is not coming from the ocean. That hurricane, you can look out toward the ocean where you normally would see hurricanes rolling in. That's not how Adalia arrived. It's coming from the complete opposite direction. This thing's coming from inland, headed toward the ocean. You talk about weird. And with the winds and more, I was thinking also, you're going to have a strain on trees because they're not used to winds blowing at the, the level that they were blowing Wednesday from the direction of which this thing was coming. From the west, it was moving sort of from the west to the northeast and a very weird, weird combination. And, and to see reporters out there on the beach where they do their little thing where they're standing with the wind blowing and they got their baseball cap on. But to face this hurricane, at least on the Atlantic side of things, they needed to be well inland. This thing was coming from a completely opposite direction. Very, very unusual. Now, we do know this is a deadly storm. A man died, a man died in the state of Georgia while clearing a tree in the Valdosta area. As the guy was working on cleaning up a tree in the road, doing good things in Lowndes County, and then a gust of wind came, and unfortunately, another tree fell on him, killing him instantly. So we have at least one death there. In South Carolina, a car flipped on the highway in the Goose Creek area. Two people in that vehicle with minor injuries. As far as I know, in Florida, we don't have any deaths to report. I do have that death in Georgia I just told you about. But Adalia seems to have been, so far, a, a storm that has not been the deadly storm that it could have been coming ashore right at a Category 4, 3, 4, somewhere is where it technically was. And again, the most populated areas of the Sunshine State definitely missed this one, thank God. Tampa Bay continues to be that section of Florida able to skip past or have hurricanes either go to the north or to the south as Hillsborough County once again dodges a bullet with a dahlia. But it has weakened the storm. Let's go now as today, Thursday, this thing is affecting mostly North Carolina and some sections of Virginia. And WAVY is a TV outlet in the Roanoke area, not Roanoke, over in the Norfolk area of Virginia. Completely different section of the Commonwealth, by the way, from Roanoke. And let's tell you what the latest is according to WAVY and their weather team, meteorologist Jeremy Wheeler, up and going on this Thursday. Let's go to Virginia and get a report on Hurricane Adalia. Good morning. Yeah, so it is south of Wilmington now. Uh, you can see it on the satellite radar. There's a lot of rain, though, that's reaching up into our region. Let's take a look at it. We'll track it. So right now, wind 60 miles an hour sustained, but that's around the center of the storm, not so much up this way. Uh, we are seeing a few gusts, though, around 40-plus miles an hour on Hatteras, and so uh, we do have that. Now, the system will be moving east to our south throughout the day. It'll keep the strongest winds down to the south, but some of those winds will be able to spread north as the rain has already spread north. 
The thing is, the rain will be decreasing as we go through the day. The system will move out to sea going into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Have tropical storm warnings up for coastal North Carolina, just like yesterday, up to Back Bay. And we've still got that flood watch in effect. I think the rain amounts are going to be coming down a little bit compared to the forecast by just a little bit. Looking at the latest, maybe 1 to 3 for North Carolina, maybe about 4 to 5 for the Southern Outer Banks. Still going to tornado watch till 7 a.m. for Dare County. We'll be on the lookout for that. Got some rain bands coming up from the south. Some heavy rain down there. Most of us, though, just a steady rain. Uh, a little heavy near the state line. Uh, and also a couple spots up there around Hampton, Bacosan, and getting into York County. But a light rain in Virginia Beach right now. Some of that heavy rain is near Cape Charles. All right, so we've had uh, the rainfall total so far. We've had some high amounts down to the south. There's your wind gust. We're going to have the uh, full forecast for you coming up in just a little bit. All right, that's, that's meteorologist Jeremy Wheeler from TV station WAVY in the Hampton Roads section of Virginia with today's report on now Tropical Storm Idalia making its way into that section of Virginia coming from North Carolina. A lot of, a lot of rainfall, as you heard that meteorologist saying right there. But that's the kind of the latest of where we stand as this storm has been a big story over the last 48 hours in the southeast. Now, you might have heard meteorologist Wheeler there talking about how Adalia heading off to sea, but there are some forecast models that suggest that Adalia may loop south after it goes out in the Atlantic for a day or so and come back toward Florida's Atlantic coast. Yeah, that is some forecast models. This thing now today, as I said, plowing past North Carolina and Virginia, but headed toward Bermuda. But these forecast models, some of them have it looping back and headed toward really Mar-a-Lago, if you want to know the model that I'm looking at, South Florida. In order for Adalia to return to South Florida, the storm would have to rekindle thunderstorms around its center and start the development process a second time. And Hurricane Ivan is a hurricane that did something similar in the past back in 2004 as it followed a southwestern track coming in to that section of Florida. Then it reached Category 5 strength multiple times back in 2004. So again, not to scare you too much, but we're not completely done with Adalia after today. It's going to go out in the Atlantic and you hope it dissipates as it keeps plowing toward Bermuda but maybe just maybe there's a chance that some of these forecast models could come come around and become true and this thing could be headed toward Florida again this time a completely different section of Ron DeSantis's Florida got to give him credit I think Florida was very prepared for the arrival of the storm a storm that kind of popped up out of nowhere over the 48 hours prior to its making landfall on that Big Bend area of Florida. And yes, he, he and Florida, they got it together when it comes to emergency responses. So glad to know one of our southern states shining brightly. And they had plenty of resources from power companies ready to go and get in and start cutting people's power back on to the rescue efforts if needed. So, good job, Florida. And as far as I can tell, Brian Kemp in Georgia and Henry McMaster of South Carolina, Governor Cooper in North Carolina, all were on top of this thing, making the most of a ugly situation. 
An ugly situation is developing in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Wednesday, Mitch McConnell was appearing briefly in his native state, and the 81-year-old, while asked whether he would run for re-election in 2025, he froze. As a reporter asking this question, the guy just completely blanked out, and one of his assistants said, we're going to need a minute after McConnell was silent for about 30 seconds when asked this question and then ducked out of the room. It's a sad thing for this longtime legislator. The incident occurred in Covington, Kentucky, and this follows a recent appearance in the, in the Capitol where he was having a press conference, and he froze there as well. He had a nasty fall earlier this year, and you have to wonder if indeed that might be causing some of the unfortunate blanking outs that appears that the U.S. Senator, the House Minority, rather Senate, second time today I've said that, the Senate Minority Leader is undergoing right now. We wish him the best, but it brings up a question. Is he too old? Is he too frail to serve as he got a concussion and a broken rib after falling and hitting his head at a dinner event at a hotel earlier this year, back in March is when that happened. And he did not return to the Senate for almost six weeks following that. McConnell had polio in his childhood days, and he's acknowledged as an adult he's had difficulty climbing stairs. Now, he's not the only U.S. Senator with health problems. Of course, California U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein is around 90, early 90s maybe, and she at times seems completely out of it. There have been efforts to get her out of office. Then you got a president, Joe Biden, who also is out of it from time to time. In fact, President Biden asked about McConnell Wednesday, responded, Mitch is a friend, as you know, not a joke. He's a good friend, and I'm going to try and get in touch with him this afternoon. Those two serving in the United States Senate for a long time together. But it brings questions to Andy Bashir, the current governor of Kentucky, who is in a tough election fight for governor of Kentucky right now. And is that part of the reason McConnell's trying to hang on to dear life to his Senate seat? Because Bashir... I'm not exactly sure how Kentucky replaces senators, but normally the governors of states have complete power to appoint a successor, and he would likely pick a Democrat to take over Mitch McConnell's seat. I've been told that in Kentucky that's not the case, that you have to pick a successor from the party of the person leaving office. I'm not sure what they have on the books there in Frankfurt, but regardless, Mitch McConnell's probably going to hang on to that office as long as he possibly can. And we wish him well in his recovery efforts from whatever's going on there. We'll have more headlines going on throughout the rest of this Thursday Y'all Show, including a story out of Nashville where a teacher was robbed and locked into a closet there at the school in Nashville that she teaches. And she says that the person that did this to her said he would have killed her if she were white.
Yeah. A racist attack, sort of, from Nashville. We'll tell you about that. Plus, a story out of Mississippi as a gentleman there has just won his primary and he doesn't have a competitor in the general election in November. So this Mississippi Democrat has won his state house seat in the Magnolia State. And the newsworthy item is this is going to be Mississippi's first openly gay lawmaker. I got a a gay lawmaker now in Mississippi. We'll tell you about that in our news headlines of today. And we wrap up today with some news headlines when we get to it later on in the show. States with the most confrontational drivers. Oh, you don't want to drive in some of these states. I'll tell you where your state shows up when we have that headline passed along to you later in the show. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got our Southern Sports Update of the Day. We've got volleyball to talk about. What a day in Lincoln, Nebraska. I know that's not quite the South, but you got to give mad props to the big red machine of Nebraska and what they were able to do on the volleyball court on Wednesday there in Lincoln. That, plus we'll tell you about some of the college football games going on today. It's college football's real start today. And I'll tell you about the Florida Gators and their trip out to Utah. All that is ahead as we continue on with the Thursday Y'all Show. Get ready for some football, y'all. singing break man that wrote that song jimmy rogers out of meridian mississippi but what a great tune there t for texas and that was performed by grandpa jones that was the only top five song he ever had that longtime member of the grand Ole opry and star of hee-haw grandpa jones had t for texas out on the charts in the 1960s we're glad to play a little grandpa jones on a thursday We're back on the Y'all Show. Nobody does it like we do. I promise you. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I'm just just telling it like it is. Let's pick up our fun here of the opening hour of our Thursday edition of Y'all with some Southern sports news. But this, 
item today is out of the South. It's out of this world. The largest crowd to ever witness a women's sports event ever happened Wednesday evening in the great southern city of Lincoln, Nebraska. (laughs) Wow. Larry the Cable Guy's favorite school making headlines today. And 92, let me get this exact count here. 92,003 fans, 92,003 packed in to the football stadium, Memorial Stadium on the campus of the University of Nebraska, a.k.a. NU. And they did not go in there to see a football game. Matt Rule's Cornhuskers were not playing Wednesday. Instead, it was the Nebraska volleyball team taking on in-state foe Omaha. And 92,000-plus were there to see this volleyball game against Omaha and Nebraska, the largest women's sporting event in the history of the world with over 92,000 fans and a 3-0 victory for the home-standing Cornhuskers. The event was dubbed Volleyball Day in Nebraska, and it was a huge festive atmosphere there for this gigantic deal. In fact, it barely beat out the crowd of 91,000-plus that was at a women's champion leagues event, soccer that is, that took place in Barcelona in 2022. So a a Spanish soccer event got bested by a Nebraska volleyball match. (laughs) And what a fantastic job by the university there to have this beautiful setting. If you haven't seen the video or the footage, it's, it's really extraordinary. The crowd there and they're red for the most part. There were a few people decked out in blue for Omaha, but a great, great scene of these ladies teeing it up and spiking it down with a little college volleyball in Nebraska and a world record set for women's attendance. Now, with women's volleyball in mind, let me give you the update of the NCAA's ranking of women's volleyball teams across the country, okay? And where are our southern ladies stacking up? The number 24 women's volleyball team in the country, according to the NCAA rankings, the Tennessee Vols, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers checking in at number 22. Razorbacks of Arkansas are number 21. The Rice Owls are the women's volleyball team ranked number 18 in the country. Baylor checks in at number 16. Kentucky, which has won a national championship in recent years. The Cats are your number 15 women's volleyball team. The Houston Cougars currently are number 13 in the land. The Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech out of Atlanta, they are the 11th best women's volleyball team, according to NCAA.com. The Florida Gators at number 8. The Texas Longhorns are right now ranked number 7 in women's volleyball. That Nebraska team that we were just bragging about with all those people in attendance, Nebraska's at number 4. The Louisville Cardinals are the highest-ranked Southern school, as the Cards are the third-ranked team in all the land for women's volleyball. Stanford's at two. Wisconsin is the number one volleyball team in all of the country. 
I was just checking to see that team that played Nebraska Wednesday, Omaha. They're not even ranked in women's volleyball. So, yeah, it was all because of Neb, the Neb, that they got that people that amount of people in the stands there. But a beautiful setting there in Lincoln, Nebraska, Wednesday for women's volleyball. And happy to give those ladies a little, little publicity here on the Y'all Show. Today we've got college football's true first weekend getting underway. And you've got the Florida Gators and the Utah Utes in a top battle as Utah is ranked 14 in the land. The Gators aren't ranked. The Gators will be out in Salt Lake City for this contest. It's going to get going just after 7 Eastern, 6 Central on ESPN. Rather, let me check that time again. It's going to be 8 Eastern, 7 Central on ESPN from Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City, Utes and the Florida Gators for a big SEC Pac-12, but soon to be Big 12 battle of competitors in college football. Wake Forest has a Thursday night game on the ACC Network. Their neighbor to the east, Elon, the Phoenix, coming over for a battle in Winston-Salem. You also have UCF with a home game against Kent State. Georgia State's got Rhode Island on the schedule on this Thursday. You have UConn hosting the NC State Wolfpack in East Hartford, the pack heading to the north for this battle. Also, you've got a Big Ten battle. That Nebraska team we were just telling you about, the football team of Nebraska, has a Big Ten battle on this Thursday in Minneapolis, taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mizzou, out of the SEC, has a home game against the Coyotes of South Dakota. The SEC Network will have that game from Memorial Stadium in Como. That starts at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, Mizzou and Coyotes. UAPB out of the SWAC. They're going to be in Tulsa, where the Golden Hurricane await. And just a few years ago, Tulsa actually lost their opening week battle with the Cal Davis Aggies. They lost to an FCS team early in the season. So Tulsa fans know well to be prepared for teams like UAPB coming in for an early season. Donnybrook. In Birmingham on this Thursday, the Blazers of UAB have the Aggies of North Carolina A&T coming over to Protective Stadium. Also, a battle out in the Pac-12, Arizona State and Southern Utah is the late game. I'll only bring that one up because if you're going to be hanging out all night long watching these college football games, that one's going to be a late start. So you could literally go to bed and, and stay in bed. At least if you can stay awake in bed, like sometimes I can, you're going to have some football games going on until past midnight thanks to the Sun Devils. And a few FCS teams that have contests going on on this Thursday. The Buccaneers of Charleston Southern have North Greenville coming down from the upstate to Buccaneer Field in North Charleston. Moorhead State has West Virginia State on the schedule on this opening Thursday of college football. Sacramento State, the Hornets will be in Thibodeau as the Nichols State Colonels host them at Manning Field at Guidry Stadium there in Thibodeau, Louisiana. The Campbell Fighting Camels have a home game. It's going to be a, a actual conference contest against the Tribe of William and Mary, that game there in Bowie's Creek here on this Thursday. In Greenville, South Carolina on this Thursday, the Furman Paladins have the Eagles of Tennessee Tech 
coming in for a game at Paladin Stadium. Kennesaw State, which is about to move over to FBS football. Tusculum is the opponent there in the Cobb County area as Kennesaw State, the Owls, have that contest going on on this Thursday. And that might just about... Well, Lamar has Idaho coming into Beaumont for a game on this Thursday as well. And that pretty much wraps up our teams from the South that will be playing college football on this opening Thursday of the season. We'll have more sports news coming as we go forward in today's Y'all Show, including an update on Joe Burrows, a health update from the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this hour of the Y'all Show with hashtag huddleblue. We're going to tell you all about a really neat item, and that is going to be Indian Head Cornmeal. Have you heard of that? If you haven't, I'm going to tell you about it. Plus, something about Florida that we'll have to educate you on as we wrap up our opening hour of the Y'all Show. Stay where you are. find things on social media and we just kind of print it out and tell you all about it sometimes we don't print it out we just kind of copy and paste it if you want to know the truth we're trying to be a little green here save a tree or two perhaps but we go to the social medias of the world to find gd ggd of va and that is the x account ggd of va and they have put out a picture and a and a post that I'm going to read here. It's a picture of a what looks like grits and other items like butter, but there's a yellow package that caught my eye. And GGD of VA writes, "This is one that made him pick me. This is the one that made him pick me." Hashtag Southern hashtag Home Cooking and. The picture in that yellow package is of a yellow, it, it's Indian head. It's what it is. Indian head, white cornmeal. And here's some information. Do y'all know about Indian head? I, I'm, I really haven't been out in the uh, grocery store aisles looking before. But Indian head is a family owned and operated business going back to 1913. Indian head enriched stone ground white cornmeal is ground slowly an old-fashioned 
process from whole kernels of plump white corn and it is according to their website never overheated the heart or germ of the corn so rich and wholesome in natural oils and vitamins is ground right into your meal so that it retains all of its full flavor goodness this is made in the great southern state Indian Head is made in the great southern state of Washington what Washington and cornmeal <laughs> evidently so I think this is a stone ground white cornmeal called Indian Head it's got a nice yellow package with a really cool looking Indian Chief silhouette kind of like the old Boston Braves logo and I assume this is out there in grocery stores now I, I doubt this is something that's been in a person's cabinet a, a, a relic of the past because I see those Quaker grits next to it in this photo in that beautiful bowl of butter <laughs> but yeah how about that some information to pass along about a non-southern cornmeal but according to GGD of VA it's what made their special someone pick them back in the day I bet they're a heck of a cook now let's tell you about Rolf Hartman's post on X at Rolf Hartman 49676 Rolf has an image up about the state of Florida that I want to talk to you about of course Florida in our mind with Adalia coming ashore Wednesday in the Big Bend area but this has nothing to do with tropical storms and hurricanes and other bad weather of the Sunshine State this has to do with Florida's weirdness we love Florida but it's it's kind of weird in this way for sure and Rolf is doing a good job today reminding us of the weirdness of the Sunshine State Rolf writes Florida is probably the most ironic state when you think about it and he's got an image off of X that shows the state of Florida and it says Florida is the most ironic state since the further north you go the more southern you get and that's a dang good point I like listening to interviews for example because of Adalia coming ashore in that Big Bend area an area that's often not got reporters going to it they were interviewing people in Cedar Key and those folks had a great southern accent there in that section of Florida. Of course, that's kind of on the north end of the state. You get throughout some of the small towns, even going toward Tampa, the Brooksvilles of the world, great southern town. But my goodness, when you get around Tampa and you get over there on the Atlantic side, you have to scratch your head and say, am I in Manhattan? Am I in Boston? Where am I? course you just need to get in the car a little bit and you'll be right back being a among florida crackers or the affectionate name there for the natives of florida that have a southern accent but you're right yeah they they call if you don't know most of the western extreme portions of the panhandle la lower alabama you could call tallahassee and all that area of florida lg lower georgia because really it's only you can see Georgia, I think, from the state capital of Florida. That's a high-rise there in Tallahassee. And the state line is only like 20 minutes up to Thomasville, Georgia. Beautiful little place in South Georgia. So, yeah, you're 
absolutely right bringing this to our attention that in Florida, being a northerner ain't such a bad thing. And being in South Florida is not a bad thing in many ways, but it might be a struggle finding people to talk like theirs, you know? Now, I'm sitting here making fun of the southern accent. I should not do that. We're going to wrap up this hour now, and we'll come back with hour two of our talk about the South all over Florida and beyond. We are the Y'all Show. for hour two of our Thursday get-together that we call the Y'all Show. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, proud to be back here with you as we've got lots of information to share of what's going on. Adalia in the news, the storm that hit the Florida... It's where the panhandle meets the rest of Florida, that big bend area. I don't know technically if they consider themselves part of the panhandle or not we'll go ahead and include it that was the big story wednesday today people in florida georgia the carolinas digging out from not only the wind damage but all the flooding that adalia brought we've got headline stories about that to pass along in our look across the southeast on this thursday we also have in addition to the news headlines in this hour, we've got the news out of Nashville, the Nashville Music Line report. Dolly Parton giving the middle finger, not really, but sort of, to Kate Middleton. What in the world is that all about? We'll give you the latest from Music City on that, plus Miley Cyrus news to pass along on our Nashville Music Report today. And we also have more sports headlines to tell you. Included with that is the latest on possible expansion for the Atlantic Coast Conference. We've got that Southern Sports update coming later this hour. A reminder, in our final hour today, we're spotlighting the Alabama Crimson Tide. Touchdown, Alabama! We'll have all that Crimson Tide goodness coming your way. Little yay, Alabama! Going to be played for you. And we'll tell you about some of the great traditions at Bryant-Denny Stadium, if you're at a game there. And if you hate Alabama, you're just going to have to stomach it. To their credit, the Crimson Tide have won at least a couple of legitimate national championships. There's about a dozen that you can point to and say, are y'all sure? Are you sure you won the national championship that particular year? Because this other team says they won it. <laughs> oh, isn't college football great? Isn't it just so much fun, the, the, the passion and the hatred. I mean, you got, I shouldn't just use the word passion. You got hatred out here, y'all. And today we've got two SEC teams on this Thursday kicking it off Utah and Florida and South Dakota and your Missouri Tigers. 
those are some of your Thursday games, and then just about everybody else in the SEC is going to have Saturday games. We'll have all that coming up in hour two, our spotlight of the Crimson Tide. Not hour three, our spotlight of the Crimson Tide. We also have in our final hour today our Festive South feature where we tell you about some awesome festivals going down across the southeast this weekend. So it's a busy Thursday. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, to join us here on our conversation about Dixie. And we appreciate you considering being part of our show by dropping us an email. Our email address is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Or if you have the preference of texting, you know, we don't mind getting text. And the easy way to text us here at the Y'all Show is to pick up your phone, your social media apparatus that you sometimes use. You can use it for a text thingy. And you can text us at 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. That's a number you can text 24 hours a day. It's not going to hurt our feelings if it's 4 in the morning and you just got to tell us something. Just hit us up at that number. It's the Y'all Show text line. And we appreciate everybody out here across the southeast that take advantage of that text line. And we will share with you. In fact, I got a text that has just come in that I'm trying to decipher here. It says, Splattered in Memphis. I don't know if that's a song or not, but we'll we'll have to dig that one up. Splattered in Memphis. Okay, thank you. Maybe that's a Waffle House song. I was listening to once Southern resident as he lived in Huntsville and he lived in Atlanta, Sean Hannity talking earlier this week about his love of going to the South nowadays, now that he lives in New York, and his favorite stop when he gets back to Dixie is to two places, two places, the logical two places a Yankee like Sean Hannity would want to go to. (laughs) He goes to Waffle House, and he started telling people how he likes some scattered, smothered, Splattered. That's why I'm sitting here thinking of Waffle House when this texter says splattered in Memphis. And uh, so he, he, he confessed that he likes going to Waffle House. And then where do you think his other stop is in the southeast when he's here from New York? I can't believe there's not Waffle Houses in New York by now. I think there are some south of Philadelphia because I remember hearing the former Georgia Tech head coach, Jeff Collins, used to be the head coach at Temple, and Jeff grew up in the Atlanta area. And I know that when he was first coaching the Jackets, they did an interview with him in a Atlanta area Waffle House. And Waffle House kind of started partnering with Georgia Tech there for a while and doing some cool stuff. I think they even had some Georgia Tech Waffle House swag you could pick up. But he did this interview at a... Conyers Waffle House because that was Jeff's hometown and Jeff mentioned that when he was at Temple coaching the Owls that sometimes he and a staff member or two would get in the car and drive about 30 minutes south I guess toward Delaware and they would go and have meetings at the Waffle House maybe Waffle House is in 
mighty Joe Biden country, Delaware, and not in in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where their northern reach is. But I'm talking about that because Sean Hannity mentioned that he loved going to Waffle House when he's in the South. And his other place would be another place that has a, a, a kind of an odd connection to one southern town in particular. One southern town we can give a big salute to because it has connections to both icons of southern eatery for this type of food, at least. Uh, sort of a fast food, southern food places. You can't get it except for widespread in the South, except for two places. Waffle House, at least breakfast food for the South, like grits and eggs and bacon and all that fun stuff. You get that at Waffle House. And then our other iconic place in the South that's pretty widespread is Cracker Barrel. And Sean Hannity said he likes going to Waffle House and he likes going to Cracker Barrel. And the thing that connects both of those southern icons from what I've been told is a town called Jackson, Tennessee because Jackson, Tennessee is the home of the Waffle House co-founder Mr. Rogers I believe it was his name Joe Rogers I think it's his name he was from Jackson and then Cracker Barrel from what I've always been told essentially borrowed the concept of its restaurant from a Jackson, Tennessee eatery that's still hanging out there just off of Interstate 40, the Old Country Store. So pretty wild. And in fact, if you ever go to the Old Country Store, (laughs) about uh, 50 yards from there is a Waffle House with Mr. Rogers' picture hanging up inside of it. So how about that? Sean Hannity needs to come do a broadcast in Jackson, Tennessee and honor two of his favorite things right there together. And there is a Cracker Barrel now in, in, in Jackson, but uh, it's from what I've been told, I haven't read the Cracker Barrel history book, but I've been told that it was essentially inspired by Brooks Shaw and the old country store. And if I'm wrong on that Cracker Barrel, I apologize. I will uh, make up to you, make it up to you. No, I won't. I'm still mad at Cracker Barrel. You know why I'm mad? Because they took something off the menu several years ago that I would routinely eat there. And I liked it. It was their barbecue sandwich. They don't have barbecue at Cracker Barrel anymore. They had a they had a really I know it wasn't good old, you know, out in the back pit master barbecue, but it it was good. And they had a pickle on it. And I, I liked it. It was something different. And I liked having that barbecue with their great steak fries and they took that off the menu come on Cracker Barrel I don't know you got all those other items they added you know, I guess they took the barbecue off because they added fried chicken I guess they still have that fried chicken I remember when it was introduced six years ago or so I took some friends of mine to their local Cracker Barrel to eat and the reason I did they live in a very rural portion of our region and so they didn't have too many choices when you wanted to go out to eat. They didn't have a lot of mom-and-pop places we could go to. The only mom-and-pop place, which is awesome. It truly is one of the best restaurants in the southeast, especially known for its barbecue. It's one of those places that's only open Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And I think we went out to eat on a Tuesday night. So Cracker Barrel was about the only good option we had when 
Miss Jenny and Mr. Matt and myself went over to their local Cracker Barrel and that's right when they had introduced the fried chicken and and I was blown away by not only how good it was but the, the at that time this was pre-COVID at that time they gave you plenty of chicken and you you could have had fried chicken for two meals based on what they gave you at that time now they probably realized hey we probably could take a few of these chicken pieces off this plate and still charge the same amount or even increase the amount the good old shrinkage is that term used now for charging more but giving less all right i don't know how i got off into chicken talk and waffle house and cracker barrel talk but it's all good isn't it don't you enjoy that don't you enjoy hearing that as opposed to the other headlines of the day which adalia is the big story and i'm going to quickly go through adalia because it's getting a little old now the great news about adalia y'all this is prayers answered in fact i'm gonna pray right now i know we lost at least one georgian a tree fell on him as it passed through east of valdosta on wednesday but lord thank you for sparing it looks like most of the southeast from what could have been a massive deadly event with adalia i know we're not done with adalia but it appears that this storm although catastrophic flooding and and definitely storm surge hitting areas of the southeast and affecting people's lives for sure it looks like prayers answered that this storm has not been as deadly as it could have been with only to my knowledge at, at this juncture one death to report i have zero deaths to report in florida at this time and that's truly unbelievable especially comparing florida what we saw in hawaii in recent weeks with the wildfire that went there so thank you for that right now the latest on adalia is today it's wrapping up its heavy rain and flooding in north carolina touching some of southeastern virginia but in charleston south carolina wednesday night because of the storm coming through at the time of high tide plus you had wednesday the super blue moon effect going on you had major major flooding in downtown charleston as well as at the battery the very popular tourist attraction there that if you're in charleston on rainbow row you can look out over the battery and and look out toward the atlantic ocean and see fort sumter and over there toward the uss yorktown and mount pleasant and on the other side of charleston harbor you got john's island and james island and out toward folly beach i know it well i know it well but at the battery there water breached it and so you've got flooding in charleston and then in charleston county at edisto island water was flowing under homes and on the roadways there a very very scary situation in the low country of south carolina with this thing today again with more rainfall that has hit the area and that rainfall now going into the rivers flooding could be a major problem in north carolina south carolina georgia florida still over the next 24 to 48 hours be very very cautious if you're traveling or going to be out and about in any of the states that adalia has come through this week 
Now to other headlines across the southeast. Mitch McConnell made news on Wednesday as he was in Covington, Kentucky at an event there. And when asked about his maybe future of running for re-election in 2025, the 81-year-old U.S. Senator, the Senate Minority Leader, absolutely froze up. And he had a similar episode in Washington, D.C. just weeks ago. But the senator couldn't speak for about 30 seconds. An aide had to come help him out. And they exited the room saying that we're going to need a minute. A scary situation Wednesday in Covington, Kentucky for the veteran U.S. senator who had polio as a child. And I think he was a native of I think he was born in Georgia. I think is where Mitch McConnell is originally from, but settled in Kentucky and has been a big fixture in the bluegrass state for decades and decades. And now he is from Alabama. Now it just hit me. I think he is from Athens, Alabama. That area, I think. Let me double check. I've looked this up before. Mitch McConnell, born in Sheffield, Alabama. Yeah. Okay. He's. Definitely from North Alabama. Sheffield is the Florence Muscle Shoals area. Sheffield, part of the quad cities of Florence Muscle Shoals, Tuscumbia, and Sheffield. We were just in the Sheffield area a few weeks ago. Is That's where Muscle Shoals Sound Studio is located there in Colbert County. Did a great interview there inside Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. But McConnell, born in Sheffield and ultimately the family would move on to Kentucky they moved to Kentucky in 1958 it looks like I don't know why because Sheffield's a nice little community there in North Alabama but Mitch McConnell with a health scare and of course this brings questions up about his immediate future in Washington D.C. Is there going to be a big, big effort to get him out of office? Possibly even coming from the right. What is the succession plan in Kentucky if he were to resign? It's funny. I'm watching the news outlets today, and they have nonstop conversations about Mitch McConnell's health. But they don't have this kind of conversation about Joe Biden. When he stumbles and falls, Mitch McConnell has a brain freeze and it's number one story just past Adalia coverage on most of the networks today. It's just not fair. But we wish McConnell all the best. Story out of Orange Beach, Alabama. The toll bridge is going to double its rate there after a Supreme Court ruling and the toll bridge owner is blaming the Alabama Department of Transportation for the moving up of the toll amount. As they're blaming the director of the state's transportation agency for attempting to destroy the company there, that rate hike there on that bridge heading to Orange Beach comes less than a week after the Alabama State Supreme Court ruled against the Baldwin County Bridge Company's lawsuit against Alabama DOT Director John Cooper over what they claim were negotiations held in bad faith. So this is not a U.S. Supreme Court. This is an Alabama State Supreme Court ruling, but 
doubling that rate i wonder what it if i can find out what the amount is i'll, I'll tell you if you've been down in the orange beach area you, you probably know the bridge i'm talking about so here we go this bridge company has owned and operated the two-lane beach express adjacent to the wharf since the year 2000 and the increase for cash and debit card customers is going to go up from 275 $2.75 per trip to $5. Electronic rates for prepaid account holders, which are the rates paid by many South Baldwin County residents, is going to only go up 20 cents to an average of $2.22. But if you're just visiting the area and you want to get on this Beach Express Bridge in the Orange Beach, Alabama area, you're going to have to pay not 275 in the future you're going to have to pay 5 bucks you better save up that's the full fare i don't know if that's just one way or round trip i guess it's one way that's a lot of money for going across a dang bridge in orange beach i need to find out exactly where this takes you it's been a while since i've been to orange beach alabama no a lot of y'all in the South like to go down to the Gulf Coast. Many of you skip past Orange Beach to head over to Destin or Fort Walton Beach area, and you don't necessarily go down to Orange Beach. But this bridge, where is it located in Orange Beach? Hmm. The wharf. Okay, here we go. It's the Foley, Breach, Foley Beach Expressway. It's where this bridge just simply taking you across a, a creek called Portage Creek. It's not like it's going way across a bay like many of the Florida toll bridges have. $5? Seriously. They need to have a, a ferry system set up to compete with this Beach Express. That's, that's a lot of money. The Foley Beach Expressway, and that whole purpose of that expressway is to take you from, let's say, the wharf of Orange Beach, which is inland, not necessarily right on the beach. It's inland a little bit. And it connects the wharf area to well past Foley. It's a way to bypass Alabama 59, which is a very congested road coming in from Interstate 10. That's the direct route. Foley to Gulf Shores. And this is a way to bypass Orange Beach from you having to go all the way over to Gulf Shores and up. It's a way to cut off some of that um, congestion, if you will, if you are trying to get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> but uh, that's a lot of money, don't you think? $5? Maybe that's also the amount that will get you on that expressway the whole time, and, and that's perhaps this, this whole expressway, just in case you've always wanted to know this, if you stay on it, the Foley Beach Expressway then connects with the Baldwin Beach Express. And if you stay on that just a few miles, you'll end up intersecting Interstate 10. And there you'll find Alabama's Bucky's right there on Interstate 10, the Bucky's gas station. So within minutes, you can be at Bucky's and, and be there at the wharf, but you got to pay $5 to go over that bridge there in Orange Beach, Alabama. At least that's the rate it's going to be. When the rate 
goes up. I don't think it matters what kind of vehicle, but you'll have to take that up with the people. I don't know if the toll booth there in Orange Beach is as cool as the ones in Florida. I have been jealous. I would love to get my hands on, at least in the past, the toll booth people there in Florida have some awesome Hawaiian shirts that they wear there at the toll booth that have scenes of Florida on them. I want one of those dang things. <laughs> They're really neat. Really neat. I think they got flamingos and other scenes of Florida on a, on a Hawaiian shirt, and that's the official wardrobe of the toll workers, toll booth workers of the Sunshine State. Let's go to a story out of Nashville today. A teacher has been robbed and locked in a closet at a school in Metro Nashville. According to an arrest report from Metro Police, a call came in for an aggravated robbery just after 7 o'clock Tuesday, and officers were dispatched to Cameron College Prep on 1st Avenue South in downtown Nashville. And when they arrived, a woman told officers that she was approached by a 65-year-old man named William Joe Buford, who was armed with a very large butcher knife, and as she arrived at work, she was forced by Buford inside the school gymnasium. Buford then demanded she give him money, but when she told him she did not have any, he took her car keys, her cell phone, earbuds, and watch. And then, according to this teacher, inside that school, William Joe Buford told her, I'm not going to hurt you, but if you were a white, and he used an exp expletive here, if you were a white expletive, I'd kill you. He then locked her inside a closet inside the gymnasium before leaving, according to the report. She banged on the closet door until students there at that school heard her calls and came to help her out. And all this at a school in Nashville, right off of First Avenue, Cameron College Prep. Thank goodness the lady is okay that this Nashville teacher robbed and locked inside a closet. And if she were white, according to the person that did this, she would be dead. Unfortunate stories to pass along on this Thursday Y'all Show. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got more fun. We have headed your way next. Speaking of Nashville, the Nashville Music Line Report, we've got all of the goings-on with Dolly Parton. What did she say to Kate Middleton? We've got a battle between the U.K. and Tennessee going on, it looks like. <laughs> Royalty of two different types getting after each other. That plus some Miley Cyrus news. Oh, that's white trash royalty there. We've got all that coming up in our Nashville Music Line Report. It's up next.
never have known one can make love feel the way you do. If she'd have been faithful, if she had have been true, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have you. Awesome. James Stroud drum beating going on. The producer and head of Giant Records back in the 1990s. That was one of his artists. Darren Norwood out of Lubbock, Texas. And a song that probably should have gotten more airplay. Got into the top 30. But if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have you. Darren Norwood. Probably been a few years since you've heard that one on the radio, eh? We're back on the Y'all Show. And we've got songs and more from Nashville where that song was recorded to tell you about it, it's our Nashville Music Line Report here in our second hour of the Y'all Show. This is our opportunity to fill you in on the goings-on and more of country music and other entertainment news of the day. And have you heard about what's going on in the world of music when it comes to Dolly Parton? Dolly Parton and Kate Middleton. You know, the lady that's going to be queen one day? Evidently, Kate Middleton wanted to meet up with Dolly Parton. Story coming out this week, kind of a big international story, if you will. But Dolly Parton found out that Kate Middleton, during a recent trip of... She found Dolly... Let me get this right. Dolly found herself with an invitation to have tea with the Princess of Wales, Kate Middleton, when Dolly recently went to London. Okay. Dolly went over there. I see. Thought Kate might have come over here. Parton had the invitation to have tea. Tea with Kate. But she turned her down. <laughs> How about that? She said she got invited and felt so bad because she couldn't even go. As she said that her team had all this stuff set up while she was in town promoting her upcoming rock album, Rock Star. And she thought that being invited by the princess was very sweet and nice but she went on to joke that she wasn't going to promote my rock album so I had to say no but Dolly said she hopes that uh, Middleton hears this new rock album Dolly has indeed had a very busy year promoting the rock album which has collaborations with Paul McCartney Ringo Starr Elton John Stevie Nicks and more it's her first time doing rock music and Dolly was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2022. That's hard to believe that Dolly Parton is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but she is. Are they running out of people to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is that what this is all about? But had to turn her down because she had such a busy schedule in London promoting this brand new rock effort that you, I don't think, can quite get yet, but it's going to be big when it comes out. Rock star. Rock star from Dolly Parton, as we played recently on this show. She's got Let It Be as her first single from Rock Star, and that's got both Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney on it. Hope she had a good time in London. I bet not too many people turned down Kate Middleton. Kate, you can call me anytime. And even though you're not from the South, I will be happy to have tea, as long as it's sweet tea with you, okay? Let's just get that established from the ground rules, or else we'll have to have another 
American Revolution. Congratulations to country starlet Gabby Barrett. She has revealed she's expecting a third baby with hubby Cade Foner. As she and her husband and her existing two children are in a new music video for the song Glory Days, that's currently out. Gabby Barrett going to be a mama for the third time. She's posted a video of her baby bump Baby number three on the way for Gabby. And this new baby comes just 10 months after Barrett and her hubby Foner had their second child, a son they named Augustine Boone Foner. That baby was born October of last year. They have a three-year-old daughter named, what is this kid's name? Bela May, it looks like. B-A-Y-L-A-H. That's it. That's a different name. But yes, congratulations to um, the singer who has had a couple of big songs already on the country music chart. And now she's making hits with kids, three of them, to Gabby Barrett. Garth Brooks has launched Tailgate Radio. That is a music and sports station. Tailgate Radio, perfect timing since college football arrives today. And these are... This channel is on his Sevens Radio Network and Tailgate Radio with Maria Taylor. Now, Maria Taylor, of course, of course, we know who that is. She has been on ESPN. She used to be on, what is that, the network out of Atlanta was called CSS, College Sports or Cox Sports Southeast or something like that. It was well before the SEC network she would be on there. Former basketball and volleyball player at the University of Georgia Maria Taylor and then she moved to ESPN and now she's involved with Garth Brooks Brooks in a statement said this is one of those ideas someone says why didn't we do this a long time ago as this new sports and music network combines everyone's passion for sports and music. It allows you to enjoy your tailgate, barbecue, or poolside party without doing the work. Tailgate Radio will be everyone's favorite. And you can get this on TuneIn. That's where Tailgate Radio is going to be. Because Garth, I think, has moved off of Sirius XM. And so this is the perfect way to get ready for a football game is to tune in to Tailgate Radio. It will have just in time for college football. The tailgate top 20 with Maria. She's going to have a weekly countdown highlighting the 20 biggest songs across all different genres for a specific year. Then she's got Block Party, which is a Saturday night four-hour mix show that will be on this channel. Then Tailgate Takeover that's got Garth Brooks and other celebrities on it as they give listeners a window into the music and playlist that set the vibe for their favorite stars. Tailgate Radio, the second channel that Brooks has launched on his Sevens Radio Network and its own TuneIn. Check it out at TuneIn.com, Tailgate Radio. Garth, the DJ, and he's got a heavy hitter coming in from ESPN, Maria Taylor. Zach Bryan has revealed his 2024 Arena Stadium Tour. The singer who has a career that's just going gangbusters right now, 
not Luke Bryan, but Zach Bryan, not Zach Brown, Zach Bryan. He has announced his quitting time tour, and it starts March and goes until December of 2024 with a bunch of arena and stadium shows. And Brian will play multiple nights in a lot of cases in the same arena as his stadium tour includes Las Vegas, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Atlanta, Tampa, Arlington, Texas, and more. And the pre-sale of this tour starts September 2nd, goes on to the public to sell tickets September the 8th. Zach Bryan, the Quitting Time Tour. I got a graphic here with all the tour dates. Let me tell you about ones that are be that will be here in the South. March 22nd, Zach Bryan will be in Birmingham. I don't know the venue, but that's where he's going to be March 22nd. Go to his website to get more information. He'll be in Greenville, South Carolina, one of those two-night deals, May 5th and 6th. He'll be in Knoxville, May 9th. North Little Rock, May 13th and 14th. Oklahoma City, May 17th and 18th. He'll be in Atlanta. I'm sorry, let me go back to July. At the end of July, the 30th and 31st, San Antonio, Greensboro, North Carolina, August 3rd and 4th. Atlanta is August 10th. Tampa, August 14th. Arlington, Texas, August 17th. Kansas City, Missouri, August 20th. And Tulsa, Oklahoma is his last stop. Uh, rather at the end of next year December 13th and 14th is when, when the tour wraps up Zach Bryan and the Quitting Time Tour check it out for this guy who's done quite well so far with his music career a lot of people doing quite well if you must know the truth and lastly in our entertainment headlines of this hour Miley Cyrus is saying that the intense work she did as a child has earned her an endless summer vacation. And in her latest TikTok videos called Used to Be Young, Cyrus reads an old schedule from when she was about 13 years old and starring in Hannah Montana. And in this series that she's got on TikTok, she said she would wake up at 5.30 for hair and makeup, then start a long day of press, photo shoots, meetings, school. She'd work weekends and all that while filming Hannah Montana. And now, after she's made it to adulthood, she's calling the shots and she has decided against touring for endless summer vacation. And the album for that came out in March, so that's pretty amazing that she decided not to to tour but she's remembering back to her childhood and how busy she was working on Hannah Montana and remember she would she would film that show she would have concerts nonstop. she would be one of the biggest names in all of music back in the mid 2000s 2004 5 time period is when we're talking about I mean you feel sorry for these these childhood stars especially at this level the Franklin, Tennessee-born Miley Ray Cyrus, now 30 years old, and now talking about how tough it was as a kid. And we feel for you there, Miley. Glad that you are better now, enjoying life, maybe in a way you couldn't as a kid. And that wraps up our Nashville Music Line report for this second hour. When we come back, we're going to put a bow on this second hour with a quick look at some Southern sports news headlines of the day as the Y'all Show continues. 
Miley Cyrus, so why not play a little Miley Cyrus great music from around 2009, that from the Hannah Montana movie, that song there, The Climb, co-written by Decatur, Tennessee's own Jesse Alexander. What a great song that Miley Cyrus had out 14 years ago. Good gosh. Now, Miley, 30 years young, as we just told you in our entertainment report for this hour. We will wrap up hour two here of our y'all conversation on this Thursday with a little sports news and notes as we've got college football games going on on this Thursday night, including Florida and Utah in prime time. But we start off the, the sports news of the college football playoff saying that there's going to be no format changes until the dust settles on realignment as a bunch of athletic directors have gathered in Irving, Texas this week. That's the story coming out as the Pac-12 has disintegrated in the last couple of weeks. Only four members left in 2024 for that conference. But for the first time since the Pac-12 got gutted by realignment, the commissioners of the FBS conferences in Notre Dame met on Wednesday to discuss the future of the college football playoff and if indeed the Pac-12 dissolves in 2024, as it is expected to do, the CFP could change how it chooses the teams in the expanded 12-team format. Right now, the current model includes the six highest-ranked conference champions plus the next six highest-ranked teams. If the Pac-12 doesn't exist, the playoff is considering changing the criteria to the five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams. Pretty logical decision. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips expected to join them in person, but he could not travel to Texas on Wednesday because of travel issues in Charlotte because of Hurricane Idalia. So he had to join the conference via video conference, which was probably a good move since the ACC is sitting here this week trying to figure out if they're going to add teams like Stanford and Cal and SMU to the mix. But a lot of questions with college sports, with realignment and such going on. So we got college football again, big time on this Thursday. Missouri in action against South Dakota, Florida, and Utah, primetime. And then, if you, if you want to stay up late, at 11 Eastern, 10 o'clock Central, it's Shorter and Sanford from Seabird Stadium in Birmingham. That game kicks off at 10 o'clock Birmingham time on ESPNU. That's not a mistake late night in Homewood on the Sanford campus for the FCS Bulldogs. That wraps up our hour of talk. Stay with us. 
time to get your roll tied on in this third hour of our Thursday broadcast of the Y'all Show. We will be spotlighting the Crimson Tide of Alabama, and we'll be hearing from Nick Saban, head coach of the Tide, and giving you all of the scoop on the 2023 schedule for Alabama football. Who's going to be the quarterback for the capstone here in 2023? We'll go to T-Town and let you know all about Alabama football in this hour. So if you are a Bama fan, it's time to boast because you haven't been able to boast lately. Those dogs are your back-to-back national champions. But this is a brand new year in Alabama, getting ready for the start of the season with MTSU coming down from Murfreesboro for the opening game. We'll talk about the tie. We'll talk about the traditions of the University of Alabama. All that in this hour. And before we get out of here this hour, we've got a look at some of the great festivals taking place across the Southeast this Labor Day weekend. All that plus our headlines across the Southeast today. We are the Y'all Show. We broadcast on great stations across the Southeast. We also have our podcast that you can find in Spotify. We're also available on the TuneIn app. We're on the iHeartRadio app, you can find the Y'all Show on y'all.com, the South's homepage. We've got a whole section of y'all.com devoted to the Y'all Show. And you can find us in Apple Podcast and on Apple iTunes. The show that shakes up the Southland each and every day is absolutely free if you find us on any of those podcast choices. So check it out. I know a lot of you catch us on the radio. That's awesome. Thank you for that, but let's just say you, you get carried away doing something else. You got to go take care of a chore. You got to drop the kids off at school. You get a telephone call. You got to go into a meeting, and you miss a very cool section of our show. We have lots of cool sections. I think maybe the whole show is kind of cool, come to think about it. <laughs> if any of that happens, then you've got that podcast option, and you just simply go find it and catch up with where you missed. Pretty neat. So that is one way to stay on top of what's going on with the southeast what's going on with the southeast as we start our news headlines this hour is the now tropical storm adalia it's dumping heavy rainfall currently on north carolina it went through south carolina overnight on wednesday heavy wind storm surge and more in florida and in the southeastern section of the state of georgia hit hard in fact we've got a person killed near Valdosta when a tree fell on them as Adalia went through South Georgia Wednesday. That's the only death that has been reported to my knowledge. But a deadly storm again, Adalia hitting the Southeast Wednesday and now still affecting portions of the South today. Watch out for flooding over the next few hours in both Carolinas, even in sections of Virginia. They're feeling the effects of Adalia today. Mitch McConnell in the news, as on Wednesday he was in Covington, Kentucky, at an event where the press was there. And when asked about, is he going to run for re-election in a few years? The Senate minority leader literally froze in his tracks, like a deer in the headlights. He couldn't speak for about 30 seconds. An assistant had to come help him out. And now the 81-year-old, his health is health a, a story again? It was in the news a few weeks back when he had a similar brain freeze. And now today, Mitch McConnell facing maybe more criticism of his health. And should he stay as a member of the United States Senate 
if he can't function properly. He had a fall earlier this year that left him in bad shape for a while. He didn't go in and and do work for weeks when he had his fall back in March. So our thoughts and hopefully recovery for Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, but a scary thing if you've seen the video. We all want to age gracefully. His is a tough thing it looks like going on right now. More than 100 Texas clergy are rejecting a new chaplain law that has set up to go into effect in the state of Texas on Friday. This new law in the Lone Star State would allow school districts to replace counselors with chaplains. And state senators from the Galveston area who authored the bill shortly after it passed back in the spring said that it will allow the important role chaplains serve for pastoral care and representing God's presence within our public schools. This new law going into effect Friday does not require school districts to employ chaplains. Instead, it requires that school boards take a vote before March of next year on whether they will adopt a chaplain program to provide support services and programs for students. Now, there is opposition in Texas to this new chaplain instead of counselors and schools program. Over 100 Texas chaplains had an open letter to all of the Texas school board members sent out last week asking them to reject the chaplain program, saying that it is harmful to our public schools and the students and families they'd serve. And among the points of contention that these clergy raise is there is no requirement in the new law that specifies the qualifications or standards for someone to serve as a chaplain for a school district. So you could essentially, according to this, it sounds like you could go and say, hey, I'm a chaplain, and that gives them access to going into a school, which is kind of stupid, don't you think? I'm not sure what led this change in Texas and a new law. I don't know if this is a similar law in other southern states, but now a school chaplain law, I would probably rather see a school counselor if I'm in school than go see the uh, pastor. The pastor has a direct line with somebody who can really discipline me for a very long time. (laughs) If I've been a bad boy, we'll see if this is not thrown out this whole new law. Something tells me it's likely headed to being uh, challenged in court. But it's set to go into effect in Texas in hours, within hours. Now to some Mississippi political news. You're going to have a new state representative in the state of Mississippi coming in from Byram, Mississippi, as Fabian Nelson has just won election. He was in a Democratic primary, and he has now been announced the winner of the runoff that was held this week for Mississippi State House. Fabian Nelson is 38 years old. He's a realtor in Byram, which is in the Jackson, Mississippi area. And this story is newsworthy because Fabian Nelson, the Democrat and a realtor again, is going to become Mississippi's very first openly gay legislator as he will be serving in the Mississippi State House representing the good people of Byram, Mississippi. And now in 
a very, 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 very conservative state like Mississippi, they got an openly gay man serving in the Mississippi State House whenever they get back into Jackson and get sworn in as his house district is part of South Jackson and the metro area of the state capital of Mississippi. And he will be serving there in the halls of government as a state representative, Fabian Nelson. Historic for the LGBTQ community to have a guy in Mississippi, for God's sakes, as an openly gay legislator. Now, how about a, a story about confrontational drivers? Do you fancy yourself as a confrontational driver? I hope not. Because we don't want to be having road rage out there if we could help it, right? Well, an article has just been posted at Forbes about states with the most confrontational drivers. Look out, y'all. The top ten states with the most confrontational drivers. I'll single out the southern states when I have the opportunity. The number one state, Arizona. As Arizona ranks second for percentage of drivers who have been forced off the road and it's also reported in Arizona that drivers exiting their vehicles to yell or fight with other drivers 31% of them have been reported to do so in Arizona West Virginia is the highest ranked southern state the mountain state comes in at number 3 as West Virginia drivers were the most likely in the country to report that another driver has tailgated their car or made rude or offensive gestures at them. Virginia, just to the east of West Virginia, Virginia comes in at number four. Drivers in the Old Dominion State are the fourth most likely to report that another driver has cut them off on purpose. Oklahoma's at number five on this report. Alabama is the sixth state coming in on confrontational drivers. 87% of Alabama drivers have said that another driver has yelled at them or insulted them while they've been out on the road. What's going on out there, y'all? Texas at number nine. Texas is tied with Rhode Island for being most likely to report that another driver has honked at them in frustration. Pretty scary stuff when you're out there on the road. Now, overall, the nationwide analysis coming in, the top reasons for road rage, according to this Forbes article, heavy traffic. Nearly 40% of the respondents said that heavy traffic has called them to have road rage. 37% road rage caused by already feeling stressed out. Another third of the respondents said that the reason they have road rage is they're running late. Another couple of reasons for having road rage, already feeling angry or feeling tired. Yeah, that some important information coming out from Forbes. Where do drivers experience road rage the most? Most often on the open highway. But sometimes you get road rage in parking lots. Sometimes you get it at intersections. And even about 7% of the respondents said that they have road rage on rural roads. That's hard to do. 
I don't think they've got too many traffic jams out there on County Road 217. But I could be wrong. And that, again, from Forbes.com. Check out that article. Again, it's all about states with the most confrontational drivers. A, a fun read. If you have a few extra hours to kill, you can check that article out. And that is a look at some of our headlines here for our final hour of this Thursday Y'all Show. When we come back, get ready to get your crimson and white on because we're going to be talking about the University of Alabama. The tide is going to roll on in here, and we're going to preview the 2023 Nick Saban coach Crimson Tide football team, go through the schedule, the expectations, and we'll even tell you about some of the game day traditions from the beautiful folks out there wearing their crimson and checkerboard and all that other kind of stuff, the gingham or whatever that is. We'll be right back. million dollar band you mind striking up the band one more time and doing that song again that was a pretty catchy tune don't you think a little yay alabama from the university of alabama our spotlight school today roll tide roll Pretty catchy song, don't you think, here on the Y'all Show? It's all about Bama today. Turn it up. Oh, at Bryant-Denny Stadium, they rock it out with a little Skinner and a little Alabama. And, uh, yeah, Dixie Landed Lights, one of the famous songs inside the stadium. We're going to tell you about some of the traditions that you'll find when you see... Alabama football in action at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and I've been to many a games over many decades of checking out the Tide. Usually not pulling for them when I'm there, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> a lot of times I've just kind of been a neutral observer. But boy, Alabama loves its football. And specifically if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you love them Tide. You love them. You want to tear off parts of your body if they don't have a national championship season, right? You're willing to cut off a couple of limbs. Not out in your yard either, off a tree. I'm talking about you'll cut off a couple of fingers or toes. 
<sighs> maybe even pull a few teeth, but some people in Alabama may not have many teeth to play with anyway. I'm kidding, y'all. I'm kidding. In fact, let me apologize today. We've been, for the last couple of weeks, going through all these college football teams, getting you ready for the start of football. Bama, by the way, opens up its season against Middle Tennessee Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. We've been covering teams. We started out in Fayetteville as Arkansas was our very first team we featured here on our college football preview for 2023. And I think we've covered just about all of our major Southern schools. After today, we've got one more we'll feature on our Friday broadcast. It's all about the Gamecocks of Shane Beamer as they will be the college game day school, sort of, as it's Carolina versus Carolina and Charlotte this weekend. North Carolina, South Carolina getting together at Bank of America Stadium for the big kickoff at Bank of America Stadium. One of the best games of the weekend. But apologies go out as somehow in the mix of me featuring schools, mostly from the SEC, but a few ACC schools. I even had a few Big 12 schools we put in here. I even had a Southern Conference school in Sanford out of the state of Alabama that we talked about. I think I left off Auburn. <laughs> I think I I don't think I covered Auburn. Maybe I did. I, I really don't remember, but I, I I don't think I did. And so Auburn fans, I owe you one. We didn't spend 20 minutes bragging on Hugh Freeze and his return back to the SEC. So let me preface as we get ready to brag on Bama. I really feel bad for Auburn fans because I, I I think I left y'all. I, I'll have to go back and look at my records. We've been doing these features for about three weeks now and. Maybe I've just got so much attention paid toward this weekend's opening weekend for so many schools that I I cannot remember if Auburn was among the teams or not because I know we're doing South Carolina on Friday. We've already done Florida. We've done Kentucky. We did Vanderbilt, Tennessee. We've done Georgia. We've done – we did not do Missouri, I don't think, so we left them off. I apologize, Coach Strinkwitz. So, yeah, we didn't get to everybody, and I think we left off Auburn, I I think. But we've given Auburn plenty of coverage, and we will continue to give the War Eagle Plainsman Tigers plenty of love going forward. But let's forget about them, Bama. Bama fans are sitting there saying, what the heck is this guy doing talking about those awful Plainsmen when he could be talking about Dreamland country? And so let let me get over to Tuscaloosa County number 63 and tell you about the Crimson Tide of Alabama which it's not been the best couple of years that nemesis from the east has come out of nowhere Kirby Smart the one time assistant for Nick Saban has led Georgia to do back to back national championships that ain't sitting well in the heart of Dixie and so Nick Saban this year has got to replace Bryce Young as his quarterback We'll find out what the plan is there. In fact, Nick Saban started out his press conference this week talking about that situation and more. And we're going to hear from the coach of the Crimson Tide in a moment. Well, we also have the schedule to go through, and we'll do that. Alabama opens up the schedule this year at home against the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. The Rutherford County Bunch comes down to Bryant-Denny for a game Saturday. And usually Alabama plays a team like this to start out the season. And then usually the weekend before they play Auburn, 
they have an FCS opponent. Now, I'm going to go through the, the entire schedule here with you in a second, but Alabama football has been among the best teams, one of the really the best team until the last few years. Clemson and Georgia have been giving them a run for the money. But on the Mount Rushmore of college football teams of the last 20 years, I think Alabama's still the George Washington. <laughs> they're, they're one of the four schools up there. But I think they're, they're either George or Thomas Jefferson. And uh, Georgia's chipping away trying to take over that top spot. But I still got to give Alabama a little bit more love. I mean, Alabama, let's not kid ourselves. They were a good team in 2022. It was, if not for a fluke overtime gamble in Death Valley where Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers went for it and successfully got that conversion in overtime, Alabama would have been able to win that game and would have gone on and had a maybe a big run and possibly another national championship. It wasn't meant to be in 2022. This year, is it meant to be for Alabama to get back to the mountaintop? MTSU is that opening game, as we said, and that game is going to be a 6.30 Bryant-Denny time kickoff on Saturday. You can find that game on the SEC Network. The big one, though, how about the All-State Crossbar Classic? going to be the second week of the season the texas longhorns come in to bryant denny for a game that will be in prime time and the network for that's going to be abc no uh, yeah abc six o'clock tuscaloosa time on september 9th texas no i'm sorry did I, that game is going to be on espn it's the following week they'll be on abc as the tuscaloosa tribesmen the, the, I, should, I should say the Tuscaloosa Tidesmen will be going on the road at South Florida. USF and Alabama is the game in Tampa in the third week. That will be on ABC in the mid-afternoon hours. And then they start SEC play in Tuscaloosa against Lane Kiffin and the Mississippi Landshark Black Bear Colonel Reps. That game, September 23rd. The other Mississippi school shows up on the schedule. The Tide will have to get on US 82 or 84, whichever road it is, and head west to Stark Vegas as Davis Wade, an hour and 20 minutes away from Tuscaloosa, is where the Tide and the Bulldogs of Mississippi State will be playing on September the 30th. The month of October includes a trip October 7th to Aggieland as A&M welcomes in Alabama. Alabama's got Arkansas coming in for a game October 14th. The third Saturday in October rivalry with Tennessee is renewed on October the 21st, that game in Tuscaloosa. LSU will be coming into Tuscaloosa. Revenge, perhaps, for the Tide. That game, November 4th. The Tide will be playing up at Kroger Field in Lexington as UK and Alabama Get together November 11th, a rare appearance for Alabama in Kentucky. The Chattanooga Mocs, that's the FCS team. Oh, go Scrappy, and Scrappy and the Mocs come down to Tuscaloosa for a game on November 18th. That's the home finale for Crimson Tide fans. 
And then the game, the Iron Bowl, will be at Auburn this year. Hugh Freeze and the Tigers welcome in on that Saturday after Thanksgiving, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that is the schedule for Alabama football for 2023. Is Nick Saban going to get his team back to the mountaintop? The 71-year-old coach out of West Virginia who played his college ball at Kent State started coaching Alabama in 2007. And along the way, he has won six national championships at Alabama. Of course, he won the 2003 national title as the head coach of the LSU Tigers. But his last national championship at Bama came in the 2020 season. And sure, he's won tons of SEC championships. He's already won 10 as a coach at both LSU and Alabama. A multiple Bear Bryant Award winner. I think Nick Saban is the greatest coach in the history of Alabama, surpassing Bear Bryant. That's my opinion. That's probably what most Alabama fans would say now. Maybe not as beloved historically, but they love those championships (laughs) and the money that he's brought into Tuscaloosa and all the state of Alabama. Nick Saban, again, still not hinting that he's going to be stepping aside anytime soon. A young guy, the early 70s guy, Nick Saban. Saban was hidden his regular self this weekend. He was talking about the opening game and more when he was visiting with media members in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. Let's go in and hear the, what is it now, 16-year head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Coach Nick Saban, here on the Y'all Show in our preview of Alabama Crimson Tide football. Today is something that can help you be successful in life. I mean, you have goals and aspirations for what you want to accomplish and do, and then you got to have an awareness of what does it take to do that? What does it entail for you to be able to accomplish these things? So that's what I call the process, definition of what you have to do to accomplish the goals that you have. And are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do those things? Do you have the discipline to execute it every day? Um, So that would be true if in anything that you chose to do. And then there's work ethic, perseverance, uh, ability to overcome adversity, pride in performance. You know, all these things are common things that we talk about in athletics, but it's the same thing if you wanted to be the president of the company. Or, um, But again, what motivates you to do that? Is it coming from within you? Or did somebody tell you you couldn't do it, so now all of a sudden you're motivated to do it? So um, it's basically who you are. And I think everybody wants to do well. Everybody would like to be successful. Everybody's not willing to do the things you need to do to be successful. You know, we had one speaker come here and showed the biggest tiger, biggest tiger I've ever seen. Took up the whole screen. And he said, everybody wants to be the beast. But everybody don't want to do what the beasts do. So, if you want to be the beast, you got to do what the beasts do. All right, thanks. All right. Nick Saban, prophetic there, eh? <laughs> Not exactly sure. I was waiting for him to talk about the quarterback situation, and guess what? It's now Thursday before the tide kicks off Saturday. And lo and behold, one reason he's sitting there talking about Tigers on the scoreboard and stuff is he doesn't have a named starting quarterback for his Crimson Tide team of 2023. He's got Ty Simpson, the freshman 
I guess he's still a freshman, the redshirt freshman. He just only threw five passes for Alabama in 2022. He is the Martin, Tennessee native, the son of the UT Martin head coach, and also competing for the starting job for Nick Saban this year. Jalen Monroe, Milroe rather, Jalen Milroe and Tyler Buckner. Those are the three competing for the starting QB after Bryce Young took off to the NFL's Carolina Panthers. And your guess is as good as mine. Saban in his final press conference before the opener said that Ty Simpson has done a really good job. He thinks that all the quarterbacks have made significant improvement, but I think Ty's made an improvement. And he says that he thinks one of the hardest things to not get involved with is to be outcome-oriented and show your emotions when things don't go exactly like you want them to. And that's one of the things I think has helped all of our quarterbacks, especially Ty. So is Ty the guy? One of those three, if not all of those three, will be QBing Alabama football in the season opener against MTSU. That opener, again, set for Bryant-Denny Stadium. Saturday, it's going to be an early evening kick. 6.30 Tuscaloosa time on the SEC Network. You can see Blue Raiders and Crimson Tide. Now, what about the expectations for Alabama football in 2023? We've got 24-7 sports. They've got an article that we found that has Alabama projected to go 11-1 in football this year. 11-1 is the projected win total. And the only loss I'm seeing for them is... Texas A&M. They've got A&M with a one-point victory, according to 24-7 Sports and Bama 24-7. That game at A&M, remember two years ago, Alabama lost to A&M. But that is the only game predicted by 24-7 Sports to be an L in the regular season. That should be good enough to get Alabama back into the SEC championship, if indeed that was the case. And from there... It's to the college football playoff, most likely, and whoever's quarterback in the Crimson Tide should be able to get them into the playoff and and maybe a chance to win another national championship at Alabama. I've almost lost count of how many national championships Alabama actually has. So, thanks to Wikipedia, according to their records, Alabama has won... 18 national championships starting back in 1925 when they went I think to the Rose Bowl I think most recently they won in 2020 claim national titles 18 they've even won 33 conference titles 4 in the Southern Conference and then they've won 29 SEC conference titles I think they're a pretty good football team (laughs) what do you think (laughs) Alabama again Right there, it looks like projected to be one of the best teams of this year. But is it going to get them back to another championship in a 19th national title? That's why they play the game of football, y'all. Now, let's talk about some of the great traditions if you make it to an Alabama football game. Tuscaloosa itself is an awesome college town. It truly is. The Greek environment of which that there's a series out there about the Bama sorority deal. I forgot what it's called. 
but uh, it shows it in a big way. You got the machine that happens within the Greek community of the University of Alabama that's pretty wild. So it's it's just a great Southern slash SEC environment in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's not one of the little small towns like a Oxford or a Starkville. It's a pretty big city, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But nestled in that city is where the campus is, and it, it it's almost a blend of big and small together. It, it's it, it's very very well done. The University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. The traditions of Alabama include those colors of crimson and white. That, that, that actually comes from the state flag, which that state flag's colors comes from the blood of Confederate soldiers as a memorial to them. That's how that flag's color was picked. And the X of the state flag is, is in honor of the Confederate battle flag, in case you didn't know. So, yeah, you got Alabama with that connection there to the past. Alabama, actually, if you know anything about its campus history it was actually a military school of sorts before the civil war it was a place where young men went and got military discipline and during the civil war it was a training ground for confederate soldiers alabama the campus was not actually captured until right at the end of the civil war and the chancellor's house is that what they call it there the president's house goes back to before that and i'm not sure if the yankees burnt down buildings there or not they probably wanted to if they didn't. <laughs> but the uh, Alabama's got a long history. Of course, Tuscaloosa was once the state capital of Alabama before it moved to Montgomery. Alabama has so much history and more. Alabama has the long history with Auburn as they have the Iron Bowl, that annual battle that for a long time was played at Legion Field in Birmingham. Now they split it between the two campuses. Among the great traditions also at Alabama is the number of national championships. I just told you they've won 18 championships. If you go to the stadium over on the, I guess that would be the north side of Bryant-Denny, facing campus, facing the quad, they've got the statues of all the coaches who've won national championships, the Bear Bryants then the Nick Sabans of the world. They've got that right there. It's a, it's a great photo opportunity. They've got the quad. The quad is the equivalent of kind of the grove over at the University of Mississippi. And it's a beautiful setting. And on game days, the quad is adorned with the pop-up tents. And it's a, it's a great setting on game days. Dixieland Delight is a great tradition that the woke crowd has tried to silence. But it's a fun thing when the great Alabama song Dixieland Delight is played and blasted over the speakers at Bryant-Denny. And people have a good time with that one. Wearing of houndstooth is a tradition at the University of Alabama's football games. That goes back to the great Paul Bear Bryant with his houndstooth hats. And there are some beautiful ladies that put on their little houndstooth hat and their cute outfits and go to a game. Quite a scene on game days when they have that going on. And houndstooth skirts are also pretty popular at Bryant-Denny Stadium. The love of Bear Bryant, just not only in the houndstooth, but everything Bear Bryant is a tradition. They got the Bear Bryant Museum right there on campus, too, which is pretty neat. Alabama also has the Walk of Champions before the game where you can see the team go into the stadium. Then they have the tradition when they play Tennessee each year. They didn't get to do it last year, but smoking cigars after you beat the Tennessee Vols is a great tradition 
of Alabama. Plus, the mascot, the lovable elephant mascot, Big Al, is a tradition of the University of Alabama. In fact, the nickname, I'll tell you, the nickname Crimson Tide comes from a long time game ago when they were playing what would have been the University of Mississippi Flood at that time. They were playing the Flood of the University of Mississippi back, I think, in the 1920s. And when the team came out on the field and started doing well against this team from Oxford, a sports announcer said that they looked like a, a, a crimson tide, crimson tide swarming the opponent. And that's where that name comes from, a sports writer. A tradition also at Alabama is Dreamland Ribs, great place. The original Dreamland Ribs is over on the south side of I-5920. 2059, whatever it's called, going through Tuscaloosa. Way up on the hill, Coach Bryant would go there long ago. Dreamland Ribs, you go there, you have the uh, rib plate, and they load you up with white bread, and you can dip it into that great rib sauce. Oh, heavenly. I just sent a friend of mine from Delaware to the Birmingham location of Dreamland the other day. He loved it. You're welcome, Chris. And then the other tradition, of course, is at Alabama, Roll Tide. They love to have that Roll Tide yelled all the time. In fact, the official website for Alabama sports is RollTide.com. So, yeah, what a great, great part of the South, the University of Alabama and its traditions, from Forrest Gump to Mark Ingram to the stars of today that are suiting up like the guy that might just end up winning the quarterback battle for the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2023, and that's Ty Simpson of Martin, Tennessee. And that is a look at what's going on with Crimson Tide football. Our preview, remember on our show on Thursday, or Friday, our finale for the week, we've got the South Carolina Gamecocks as our featured school. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour up and this Thursday y'all show up with a look at some great festivals taking place across the South this weekend. So don't miss out on that. Y'all, it's Labor Day weekend. Let's go have some fun. Megan Maroney as we kind of wrap things up here in this final little segment we got of our Thursday Y'all Show. It's time now to go through some of the fun places going on this weekend festival-wise across the Southeast. In West Virginia this weekend, it is the Italian Heritage Festival, and that's taking place in Clarksburg, the hometown of one Stonewall Jackson, the West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival. That's going on this weekend in Clarksburg, West Virginia. 
This weekend in Richardson, Texas, it is the Texas Gospel Music Festival, and that's at the Charles W. Eisman Center for the Performing Arts in Richardson, Texas. Gospel in the Lone Star State. This weekend in Edisto Island, they got hit by Adalia this week, so I hope this is still set for this weekend. It's the Edisto Beach Shag Festival. The official dance of the state of South Carolina is shag, and this weekend at Edisto Island, you can get your shagging on, y'all. And no, it's nothing X-rated. It's a type of dance, in case you're wondering. In North Carolina this weekend, in Hendersonville, in the western section of the state, it's the North Carolina Apple Festival that's going on in downtown Hendersonville. And that's happening Friday through Monday, Labor Day weekend fun in western North Carolina this weekend. In Columbia, Mississippi, it's the Columbia Food and Music Festival. That's in South Mississippi, not far from Hattiesburg and Marion County. Food and music in South Mississippi sounds delightful. This weekend in Winchester, Kentucky, it's the Daniel Boone Pioneer Festival in Winchester, Kentucky. And that's taking place in College Park in Winchester, Kentucky. That week, This weekend, the Daniel Boone Pioneer Festival going on Saturday and Sunday if you've got reservations in that section of the Bluegrass State. Glenwood, Arkansas this weekend, it's the Caddo River Fest. That's taking place at the St. Vincent Primary Care CHI event place in Glenwood, Arkansas, Caddo River Fest in that section of, I guess that would be Southwest Arkansas. Port St. Joe, Florida, they just escaped the bad hurricane in that section of Florida this week. This weekend, it is the Florida Scallop Music and Arts Festival at George Core Park, also known as Lighthouse Park, in Port St. Joe, just to the east of Panama City, that's taking place this weekend. This weekend in the state of Louisiana, it's the Louisiana Shrimp and Petroleum Festival. This is a really big deal, and it goes down each year in Morgan City, Louisiana, and that's happening this weekend. This weekend taking place in the state of Maryland, it's the Billy Holiday Music and Arts Festival at the Robert C. Marshall Recreation Center in Baltimore. Billy Holiday being spotlighted in Baltimore this weekend. In Tuscahoma, Oklahoma this weekend, it's the Choctaw Nation Labor Day Festival at the Choctaw Nation Museum in Tuscahoma, Oklahoma. In Tennessee, in Martin, this weekend it is the Tennessee Soybean Festival. Soybeans are planted on more acres than any other row crop in the Volunteer State. Over 1.5 million acres are grown annually in the state of Tennessee. So how about that? And this weekend in Martin, home of the Skyhawks. Skyhawks, by the way, have a big football game. They're playing the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. Sunday, it's the Tennessee Soybean Festival in Martin at the Fine Arts Building. Check it out if you get a chance to get to that section of West Tennessee. This weekend in Madison, Virginia, it is the Taste of the Mountains Main Street Festival in Madison, Virginia. Also going on this weekend in the state of Missouri, it's the Sunflower Festival in Stotts City, Missouri. Also this weekend, you've got in the state of Georgia, the Folk Pottery Show and Arts Festival, and that is in Salty, Nacoochee, Georgia. Folk Pottery in this town just to the east of Helen, Georgia. This is a town that has its name from the Cherokee Indian language. Salty is an anglicized version of the Cherokee place name Asatiti, which is used to describe several Cherokee places and a neat little spot of Georgia where you'll find this. The Folk Pottery Show and Arts Festival going on in that section of Georgia and in Arab, Alabama this weekend it is Sugar Fest at the Arab Historic Village in North Alabama and that is a look at some of the great festivals taking place across the southeast 
this Labor Day weekend. We hope you will get out there and enjoy this great weekend. Again, thank you for letting me brag about a few of the spots. That wraps up our Thursday Y'all Show. We'll see you back here Friday for more fun about the Southeast. This is the Y'all Show.